Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. Mariners Online, welcome to church. I'm so glad you were with us this weekend. What a cool video. So grateful to be a part of a community that serves people in the name of Jesus, just as Jesus has served us. And I wanna invite you, Mariners Online, to be a part of serving people right where you are. One of the cool things that happened during the pandemic is that some of you opened up your home and started hosting church right where you are. We call that Mariners Hosted Here. It's not only in homes, but we have this in senior living facilities. We're in 300 prisons. We're in the Orange County Rescue Mission, Orangewood Children's Home, Sunburst Youth Military Academy, some really cool places that church is now taking place in. And I wanna invite you, if you have a relationship with an organization where perhaps you would take Mariner's Church, a, a worship service there, you can text the number on the screen and we would love to talk to you about how to do that. Or you can open up your home. Maybe this Christmas season for one of our Christmas services, you would have Mariner's Christmas at your house and invite friends and family to be a part. And so you can text the number on the screen. We would love to help you have Mariners hosted here. I wanted to share one more thing that's really exciting that's gonna happen right after the new year begins, especially if you're in Orange County. I want you to know about this. Mariner's Santa Ana is moving into our new location. It is amazing. It's in the corner of Fifth and Sycamore, an incredible place. Not only are we gonna have weekend services there at Mariner's Santa Ana, but we are also gonna have our clothes closet, our food pantry. We're going to serve the city of Santa Ana. And all of these things, Mariners, is because of your generosity. You are funding the mission of God through your church. December is year in giving around here, not only at Mariners, but at a lot of places. And if Mariners is your church, no matter where you are watching from today, I invite you to give generously to your church as this year ends. And you can do that by just texting the number on the screen. I want to encourage you to be generous as Jesus has been generous to you. All right, so we're gonna jump into our message now in Luke chapter two is where we're gonna spend some time. When I was in my late 20s, I was at this gathering of leaders and the host of the gathering provided an executive coach for every single one of the leaders. We had to fill out this uh, test, this personality test. I can't remember if we were given an animal to represent us, a color or a number, but it was one of those personality tests, super helpful, I'm not knocking the test. And, and then the executive coach sat down with each of us one by one and went over the results of the test. So this leader sits across from me and he's telling me, the upsides of my personality, the downsides of my personality. And, and we, know, we know that's true, that every single personality type, there's some upsides and some downsides. And he says, <clears throat> here's one of the downsides. You are going to live with just temporary moments and seasons of relief. And then boom, once again, you will be driven for another goal. This was in the, the section of the test about goals and, and accomplishing things. And, and I mean, those words stung. He said, your whole life, you're gonna be driven to reach some goals and you're gonna have temporary 
moments of relief, and then the relief is going to be replaced with wanting to go after another goal. I remember thinking in that moment, this sounds like a miserable way to live. Just, just a couple of moments of relief in my life. And I, and I said that, I said, this doesn't sound like a satisfying, excited way to live. And I'll never forget what he says. He looks at me and says, this is just your DNA. This is your leadership DNA. This is just who you are. An exhausting way to live. Now, before you judge me for sharing that with you, according to psychologists and researchers, 70% of Americans will feel that way in their lifetime. It is known as, here's the, the actual title for what he was describing, the imposter syndrome the imposter syndrome, where you constantly feel like you have to achieve and strive and prove yourself. And, and you'll have momentary seasons of relief, but once again, you'll feel like you have to achieve and prove yourself. There, there's um, uh, an author who actually wrote a book on this, on the imposter syndrome. Her name's Valerie Young. And Valerie Young said, there's really different personality types that struggle with feeling this way, with feeling like they're never enough, like they have to prove themselves. And, and, I, and I'll share the different personality types that she mentioned with some, some characters that we'll put on the screen. And, and maybe you'll find yourself in one of these people, Patrick the perfectionist. So if you're a perfectionist, you always wanna do things really, really well. And when you're doing things really well, you are happy, but when you make a mistake, you feel like your identity takes a hit, but let's be honest, all of us fall short, all of us make mistakes, but Patrick the perfectionist, when he makes a mistake, he feels like he has been called out, like no, it's not enough. Or Aaron the expert. Some of us are plagued with feeling like we have to live up to the title of an expert. Maybe this is you. Maybe you have been called an expert. Maybe you have this fancy degree from a great school, or maybe people look at you because you've been able to accomplish so many things, or you're published, or you're well-spoken, and you are viewed as an expert. Now, someone who lives with the burden of being an expert is someone who constantly feels like they have to stay up to date in their field, in their discipline, and if they don't, they will be exposed as an imposter. Is that you? Here's another one. Samantha, the soloist. So a soloist is someone who rejects getting help from other people because to get help from other people would be to admit you were weak. And so a soloist feels like they have to prove themselves with their independence over and over. And if they, if they fall short of that, they will be seen as an imposter. And the last group of people that Valerie Young talked about were people who feel like they have to be supermen or superwomen. So here's Sandy and Steve, and they live always achieving, showing themselves to be enough to people around them. But to be a superhero is a lot of pressure. Do you feel like you relate to any of these people? Now, here's what they all have in common. Because they live with pressure of trying to prove themselves, they are always exhausted. See, if we live with the very thing that executive coach told me, 
Eric, you're gonna have goal after goal after goal with seasons of grief relief. If we live that way, it's an exhausting way to live. People with the imposter syndrome live with always having to prove themselves, feeling like they are never enough, and it's an exhausting way to live. Are you exhausted this Christmas? Perhaps because you are trying to prove yourself over and over again. Perhaps because you feel like you are not enough. I've mentioned this before, but during our series, My Anxious Thoughts, we asked people at our physical gatherings to write down things they wrestled with in terms of their anxious thoughts. And by far, the most prominent thought that people wrestled with was this very issue. These are, look at this. This is just from one of the buckets. I am not enough. I am not good enough to lead people. I'm not good enough to grow a business. I'm not good enough for a relationship with a wife. I can't do it. I am not doing enough for my family, my work, for my God. I I miss the point over and over again. I'm not good enough for my kids, my friends. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not accomplishing anything. I am not enough and therefore I'm rejected. I fear not being good enough for the promotion of my job. Am I enough? I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. It could go on and on and on. Not enough. Does the Christmas message have anything for us? Those of us who have felt this way before, as I have, does the message of Christmas have any good news for us at all? In fact, some have thought, well, the message of Christmas, wouldn't that actually be some bad news? Because isn't following Jesus gonna be another set of beliefs to believe in or another set of behaviors to follow? And I'm already struggling with not feeling good enough. And if I follow after Jesus, won't I feel even more like I'm not good enough? In fact, maybe today you're watching Mariners Online and it's God's goodness to you and grace to you that you're here, but maybe you have resisted him Maybe you've resisted God because you are worried you're gonna feel more this way. But is that really what the Christmas message is about? Is the Christian faith really about causing us to feel constantly like we aren't good enough? We're gonna see some really good news today. So I want you to press in. We are looking at the message that the angels give to different groups of people during the accounts of Christmas. And We've called this series, Angels We Have Heard. Today, we're gonna see the message that the angels give to a group of people who surely felt like they were not enough. The angel is going to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. Look with me in Luke chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. They actually did feel like imposters in this moment. They were terrified because they were in front of the glory of the Lord and they felt exposed. If you ever are around someone who is superior to you in your craft or your discipline, you can feel exposed. You can face the imposter 
syndrome. So if you're a musician and you are in the presence of a greater musician than you, someone with greater glory than you, greater craftsmanship than you, you will feel like an imposter. You will feel exposed. Or if you are a businessman and you're around someone with greater business savvy than you, you can feel exposed. I remember when I lived in Nashville, I played basketball early in the morning, six in the morning, two days a week with a group of guys. And I thought we were good. I thought I was good. I thought, man, I, for you know someone over 35, I am draining some threes. I could play in a city league. And so in my head, we, the guys that I played with on those mornings, two days a week, we were gonna enter the city league in Nashville and dominate. In my mind, we by far would be the most glorious players of all. And so, man, we signed up for this league. I got everybody together and we were excited. In my mind, we were gonna run away with the championship. And then we played other teams, many filled with former college athletes and the disparity between their glory on the basketball court and ours was great and it caused us to feel like imposters out there playing hoops. The shepherds in this moment, they are feeling a bit of the imposter syndrome because the glory of God is shining around them and they, there's a great distance between the glory of God and the shepherds. There's great distance between the glory of God and us. I mean, we do in the presence of God fall way short of the glory of God. But this was especially true, at least in terms of the reputation of the shepherds. So I want you to understand who the message of Christmas is going to first outside of Mary and Joseph. The first people who hear the great announcement of Christmas are shepherds. This is really a bit shocking when you understand shepherds in this context. Shepherds were the lowest of society in terms of credibility, in terms of awe or respect for a profession, the shepherds were the absolute lowest because they worked with animals in this religious culture in Israel. They were viewed as unclean. Their testimony was not even admissible in court. And if these shepherds are living up to their reputation as being uncouth and rough around the edges, when the angel shows up to announce Jesus, they probably are busted and exposed because they aren't walking in his presence. They aren't enjoying, they're not sitting around the campfire, these shepherds talking about passages in the Old Testament. I mean, if you are um, someone who's not walked with God and you're sitting around a campfire with some buddies, I've been in those environments, typically the conversations, they get a little crass and a little crude. And this is the shepherds. There, there's some some uncouth dudes sitting around a fire at night viewed and understood themselves as unworthy. They were called unworthy by the culture. And this is who the angel shows up to. This is good news. See, the message of Christmas is first announced not to people who think they are worthy, but to people who understand they are not worthy. And the message of Christmas is still not for people who think they are worthy but for those of us who realize we are not worthy at all. So the shepherds in the presence of the glory of God, they are terrified because they realize there is this massive gap between the glory of God and them. But this was actually God's grace 
for them to be terrified. It was God's grace for them to realize that they were exposed before the glory of God. This was God's grace that they realized they were not enough. It it is initially, hang with me. It is God's grace for you to realize that you need the message of Christmas. There's a very famous hymn. It's perhaps one of the most famous hymns ever written. It's called Amazing Grace. And the, the line says this, was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. It was grace that taught the shepherds' hearts to fear. They, they were filled with fear because they realized there's this massive separation between their goodness and the goodness of God. They realized they need a savior. It is God's grace that exposed them and it's God's grace that exposes you. If, if, if you're one of the people who feels at times like you are not enough, it's actually initially God's grace to show you that you aren't enough. You need the message of Christmas. So it's grace that teaches our hearts to fear, but the story doesn't end there. The story for you doesn't end there and the story for the shepherds doesn't end there as well. Grace teaches our hearts to fear, but also it's grace that relieves the fear in our hearts. And this is what happens to to the shepherds next. Notice, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So it's grace that is teaching their hearts to fear. And now it's grace that is relieving their fear. The angel said, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel shows up with a message of good news. Now, if you have your Bible open, that phrase right there, good news, you may want to put a big circle around it if you have a pen right there. It's one word in the original language, evangelion. And it is the word that means gospel and gospel means good news. The angel shows up to announce good news, the gospel, good news, not good advice. So message of Christmas, angel to the shepherds. The angel doesn't say, hey shepherds, don't be afraid. I have some advice for you, some really good advice of things you must do, shepherds, to get rid of the imposter syndrome. I have some really good advice of seven things, shepherds, that you must do for you to feel like you are good enough. I know you know you're not good enough because you're filled with fear, because you're in the presence of God, because the glory of God is shining around and you don't feel like you're good enough. So I have good advice, good advice for you of how you can feel like you are good enough. Not at all what the angel says and not the message of Christmas. The angel says, I have good news, not good advice. Good news, not of things you will do to be right with God, but good news of what he's done for you, for you to be right with God. See, there's a big difference between news and advice. We sometimes confuse the two. It was easier when I was growing up to realize that there was a difference between news and advice because news came only on when I was growing up 
It came on early in the morning, but in the evenings, came on twice at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m., and it was 30 minutes long. That was the news. I mean, I grew up old school. We had three channels, channel four, six, and eight. CBS, NBC, ABC, four, six, and eight. I mean, it was the it was the tough days. You had to get up from the couch and change the dang dial to change the channel. And the news came on those two times a day, 30 minutes. And when news is only 30 minutes long, the things that are reported are actually news. It's just news. It's only 30 minutes. And so real quickly, people run through the news in the world, the news in the state, and maybe a little bit of news locally, but it's all things that have already happened. When there's 30 minutes, that's all they shared was news. Now, with 24-hour news channels and news on our phones all the time, much of what is called news isn't news. Much of it's actually advice. Here's how you should get your lawn ready for the winter. Here's how you should diversify your portfolio. Here's how you should decorate your house for Christmas. Advice, advice, advice. We sometimes confuse news and advice, but they are very different. News is something that has happened. You can't change it. It's already happened, but you can respond to it. Advice are things you must do. Gospel, the message of Christmas is not advice. The message of Christmas is not things you must do to be good enough for God. That's not the gospel. The message of Christmas, the good news, is what Christ has done for you so that he declares you good enough and right with God. In fact, let's see what the angel says. The angel says, hey, I'm showing up. You don't need to be afraid. I'm showing up with some really good news. And here is the good news. Today, in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is Christ the Lord. I want you to see this phrase, city of David, means he is the king. Jesus, the one born for you, is king because he comes through the lineage of David. He's the one who's the fulfillment of the promise years ago in the Old Testament that one would sit on that throne for all time. So Jesus is the king, but he's not only a king, he's also savior. He's a very different kind of king. Most kings don't die for their subjects. Most kings don't die brutal deaths sacrificially out of love for the people that they want to rescue. But Jesus is king and savior, and he was born for you. Born for you. The shepherds are likely thinking, born for us? We are the most unlikely We are the ones that everyone else looks down upon. We aren't qualified. A king born for me? He's born for you. If you feel unworthy, if you feel like you were not enough, he was born for you. He's born for you. Unless you think you are above him, unless you think you don't need this, then he, you won't receive it. But if you understand that you need him, he is born for you. And he is Christ, the Lord. Christ, the one who will be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. And he is the Lord. He is the King. This is what happens next. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message, the news that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. They returned rejoicing. They started in fear and they returned rejoicing because they understood the Christmas message. And the Christmas message is this. I wanna be sure you understand what the angel is sharing with the shepherds. And this message is for us too. Angels, we have heard. Here is the message. The Christmas message is good news that he is enough. Not good advice of how we can be enough. The gospel is good news that he is enough. The gospel is not good advice about how you can be enough. The message of Christmas is good news, that he accomplished forgiveness and salvation for us. It's not good advice about things we must accomplish and things we must do for us. See, if the message of Christmas is good advice, then it would only lead to our exhaustion but the message of Christmas is not good advice. It is good news. See, if you think that Jesus is one way for you to prove yourself, then of course, Jesus would be exhausting to you. And some have actually thought that. Some have thought, I'm gonna use the Christian faith to show myself to be good, or I'm gonna use going to church to make myself better than other people, or I'm gonna use reading the Bible to show myself to be above the fray, to be morally superior to others. See, if you actually use Jesus to try and be better and good enough, well, you're missing the point of Jesus and you're exhausted. See, anything we use to try to make ourselves good enough will actually be exhausting for us. But not only is that exhausting, it's also deeply offensive to God. It's offensive to God if we think that the Christian faith is good advice of things we can do to earn him, to flag him down with our goodness or our righteousness. Because if we think that we can be good enough for him, then that means the message of Christmas is useless. If we think that we in our merit, in our goodness can climb our way to God, then the whole message of Christmas is futile. It means nothing because we wouldn't need Jesus to come here to rescue us. See, if we could earn our way to God, if we could be good enough for his forgiveness, if we could be good enough for salvation, then Jesus was born for no reason and his death is meaningless but he wasn't born without reason. He was born for you. He was born 
for you. The message of Christmas is good news that Jesus was born. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He placed himself on the cross in our place for our sins. And if we will believe in him, we don't have to hear a message of trying to be good enough. No, he takes all of our sin and shame upon himself and he makes us good enough by his grace. We are good enough, not in our goodness. We are much more than just good enough. We are declared perfect and righteous by the grace of Jesus. Now, it's offensive to God for us to think we can earn our way to him. And you have to first be offended and afraid like the shepherds were for this to really make sense to you. You have to first actually be offended by the message of Christmas. Offended? Yes, you have to realize I need this. I need forgiveness. I need the message of Christmas. I can't climb my way to God. And if that offends you, well, it's because you're a sinner. It's true. In our sin, we actually think we can be good enough. But here's the great news. After you are offended and you realize I am not enough, I can't be good enough, that is when the amazing grace of Jesus relieves all of your fears. Relieves your fears. Because you realize you don't have to live with the pressure of being good enough. Because Jesus came here and he is enough for you. Jesus is enough. He's enough. As a staff here at Mariners, we took all of these buckets of anxious thoughts that people wrote down and we spread them out on tables and we, we prayed for people who submitted their anxious thoughts. Not only those physical gatherings, but you, Mariners Online, you submitted your anxious thoughts on a website and we prayed. I mean, we prayed for you. And as I sat at a table with some of our pastors and saw how many people said, I'm not enough, never enough, won't be good enough, not enough, not strong enough, over and over again, I said, this is both beautiful and sad. Beautiful and sad. It's beautiful because when you realize you're not enough, you're like the shepherds in the field terrified in the presence of God, realizing that I I won't be enough to earn salvation. I won't be enough to climb my way to eternal life. That, That part's beautiful. For us to realize we are not enough, that is the grace of God to show us that we are not enough. So that's beautiful, but then it's sad if we stay there. If we stay thinking that we are not, not enough is the sad part. The angel didn't let the shepherds stay there. The angel let the shepherds feel the fear of not being enough, but then the angel gave them great news that relieves their fears. You don't have to be enough. I have not good advice of how you can fix the problem of your heart. I have good news. The reality that Jesus, the everlasting King, came here for you is good news. And because Jesus came here for you, he is enough for you. Jesus is enough to forgive you of all of your sins and all of your shame and all of your failure. Jesus is enough to satisfy and quench the deepest longing of your soul. 
Jesus is enough to care for you and provide for you and protect you. You don't have to live with the pressure of being enough or trying to figure out how to be enough for this great God. He is enough for you. He came here for you. The message of Christmas, the message of the gospel is not you need to be good enough. It's Jesus is enough. He's enough. So after I met with the executive coach that day, I went to the hotel room that I was staying in and I just was overwhelmed with that statement. It stung. Eric, you're gonna have goal after goal followed by brief seasons of relief. And I felt the sting of that is not how I wanna live. I don't wanna live with I'm not enough. It's not enough. And as I sat in my room, I wrestled. How much of this is just how God, you created me, but how much of this is my own struggle, my own sinfulness, my own jacked upness? I mean, how much of this is just me that needs to be left behind? And I remember grabbing the scripture and reading the passage in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and you're burdened, and I will give you rest. Eric, come to me. I am enough. And Jesus is the one who came here to give us rest. Now, because I rest, that doesn't mean I don't have goals. It doesn't mean that I'm lazy. No, I actually will have bigger goals, but it's, it's liberating because if the goal doesn't happen, I still am at rest because my rest, my identity isn't reliant on the goal. My rest, my identity is based on Jesus and what he's done for me. So when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that you don't work hard and strive and have goals in your life. No, you do. But how you treat those are very different because those aren't what satisfies your soul. They can't, they cannot. If you ever had some goals met, you know this. They don't quench you. You'll never be enough. And those goals will never be enough. But Jesus is. And if you will come to him, he will give you rest. Have you believed the gospel, the good news? It's the message of Christmas. Look, I bring good news of great joy which is for all the people. It's for you too. It's for you too. Maybe you feel like the shepherds felt unworthy, so far away from God. This is for you. The more unworthy you feel, the more ready you are to receive the good news. If you will believe the good news that Jesus came here to forgive you, to be enough for you, according to the scripture, if you will believe in him, he will make you forever his son, his daughter. He will forgive you of all of your sins and all of your shame. It's the reason Jesus came into this world. He came into this world to rescue you. You know, the Jesus' Jesus's name actually means salvation or savior. Jesus is the savior. And if you will look to him, he will save you from all of your sin, all of your shame. He will make you his forever. This is the good news. You do not climb to the Savior. The Savior came here for you. 
The Savior doesn't show up with good advice of things you must do to make yourself good enough. No, the Savior is the good news. And if you believe in Him, you will have everlasting life. If you are ready to receive this good news, to receive the the free gift of everlasting life that Jesus gives those of us who believe in Him, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. The scripture says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right where you are, whether in Orange County, around the world, at home with some friends, in your office, in this moment, you can receive the good news and become his son, become his daughter for all time. If you will confess and believe in him, And so if you are ready to receive the Jesus who is enough for you, receive his forgiveness, receive his everlasting life, pray something like this right where you are. Jesus, thank you for stepping into this world. I know you came here and you lived perfectly and you died on the cross for my sin and my shame. I give up trying to be good enough and I receive your goodness. I give up trying to climb my way to you and I receive what you did for me. I turn away from trusting myself for real life and real joy and I trust you. I place my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for making me yours. In your name I pray, amen. This moment is the most significant moment in your entire life. It's the moment when heaven meets you, when Jesus moves in, when you receive his forgiveness. We have a gift for you. We wanna be able to pray for you. We wanna help you as you start this new journey. And so we have a number on the screen Will you text BELIEVE to the number on the screen? It will allow us to know who you are, to pray with you, to be excited for you, to rejoice that you have believed the good news. All right, extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them. I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.